This is episode 42 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hey there, I'm so glad you're here for this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I have entitled it A Vision for Home because I think being an intentional mama is so much easier to do when we have some sense of what we are aiming for as we navigate motherhood. Today, I'm talking with Lindsay Cornette, one of the moms who serves on our Kindred Mom editorial team. Lindsay and I talk about the new September series that is just around the corner called Life Around the Table. You'll be able to find the essays that women have contributed to this series and so many other great things if you go exploring on our website, which is kindredmom.com. Be sure to head over there and subscribe to our newsletter because we have a great free resource going out this month and you won't want to miss it. The second segment features two alumni members of our team. They are not actively participating in what we're doing behind the scenes anymore, but they were a part of the original group that started Kindred Mom alongside me. They are such dear friends, Marilyn Song Harry and Sarah Allard. We had a great conversation talking about a bigger picture view of the coming fall season and how we turn our hearts toward our families in order to pursue homes of peace. This season, Joyful Life Magazine is a sponsor for our show. It's a new quarterly print publication for women that is full of lifestyle inspiration designed to encourage a love for home and hospitality. Their first issue is going to be available for pre-order on September 15th, and I would love for you to learn more about that by going to joyfullifemagazine.com. Thanks so much, and let's jump into the show. I'm really grateful to have Lindsay Cornette with me today. Lindsay, welcome. Hi, Emily. I'm excited to be with you. Oh, great. Well, I would love to just jump right into our episode for today. And I know that you have been working behind the scenes along with the other girls on the team, just helping in whatever way you can. I first wanted to say thank you to you and just the investment of time and thought and care that you have contributed to this upcoming set of series topics that we're going to be covering the next few months. And today we're going to just kind of introduce the topic for September since um, that's coming up really quick and it's just exciting. So you want to tell us just a little bit about what this topic is? Yes, I'm really excited about it too. In September, our theme is life around the table. So we are looking at just the challenge, but also the really awesome opportunity of gathering around the table with our families and with our kids thinking about how to make that work in the middle of our busy lives and in the middle of caring for a million small children. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of thinking, yeah, we're just looking at it both ways, both the practical side of things and the heart side of things. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And I just love this topic because there are is so much to go into as far as just the practical everyday, what it takes to get meals on the table and mm. how challenging it can be to stay motivated and stay yes. invested in that when there are so many demands for our time in other areas. And so I am really just looking forward to finding new inspiration um, since mealtimes come around every day. So this is not something that's going to be changing for anybody. No, I'm like, I didn't I just feed you people yesterday? Why do you need <laughs> yeah. to eat again? I don't understand. I don't know about you, but 
this life around the table, cooking and hospitality, all of those sorts of things really do not come supernaturally to me. Like I don't love cooking. Um, I don't really feel like hospitality is necessarily a gift that I have, but it's something Mm -hmm. that like you just said, it, it happens every single day. And so it is an area where I feel like I have learned a lot. Like I feel like I finally have a system that works well for Mm -hmm. me and that sort of thing. But even, you know, I've gotten to see a sneak peek of some of the essays that have come in this month. And like you said, I am finding them really inspiring and encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, Because this doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. Yeah. I didn't start out as a very kitchen oriented mama um, until I had more children (laughs) than I knew what to do with. And (laughs) then I just didn't have a choice. I had to be in the kitchen just to you know, kind of keep our budget in check so that we weren't Mm -hmm. getting convenience foods or eating out. And so learning to enjoy being in the kitchen is something that has kind of been part of my journey for the last, I would say, eight or so years. I have enjoyed it a little bit more. But the first few years of marriage um, and my first few kids, I just did the bare minimum. I did not like it. I didn't feel very confident in the kitchen. And I think that's where some mamas are at too, that just... Like you can obviously do the basics and get it out there and get them fed. But as far as feeling any sense of satisfaction or inspiration or sense of purpose, um, that's something that has taken me a while to cultivate. And, you know, it seems like it should be easy. I mean, everybody eats every day. I think it's just an important skill that we all know how to cook something. (laughs) But I don't know. There's something about the experience of becoming really invested in what our kitchen life looks like, that how that impacts our families is is different from family to family. But I just think it's a big part of home life. Yeah. Yeah. I am um, similarly to you. I didn't love it. And sometimes I still don't. But I sort of had this epiphany where it just occurred to me that I, by necessity, will spend so much time meal planning, grocery shopping, cooking, doing dishes. We don't have a dishwasher. So there's lots of time doing dishes. So you are the dishwasher. (laughs) Yes, I'm the dishwasher. Yes, exactly. Um, And I just didn't want to be grumpy all the time because, you know, that's a large chunk of my days. And I wanted to figure out how to have a little more joy and a little more gratitude while I was doing those tasks. Yeah. And one of the things that has helped me over the years is just kind of changing my mindset about what mealtimes even are. I think that anything that we see as a chore is also seen as a bore. (laughs) And, you know, just it is hard. You know, the time we don't feel like we have time to spare. We have time. Right. Only so much allotted to this thing and that thing and the things on our calendar and... I think when we are seeing it only as a chore, as something that just has to be done, it's hard to find the joy in it. And so I've started trying to see meal making times and time around the table with my family more as an investment in the wholeness and the community of our family members together. And, you know, it's, it's a slight change in mindset, but I do think that has brought about a different perspective about what I'm doing there, that I have a sense of purpose in what I'm doing, even though I still may not love chopping all the vegetables and prepping things for later, you know, that Mm -hmm. those small things are the building blocks that add up to a meaningful life with your family. And it's not the only way to develop a meaningful life. But it definitely, it matters. 
And yeah. so that's just one thing that that change of mindset has helped me a bit to find the unglamorous job of kitchen care and making food, um, something that I do look forward to more of the time than not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so good that contrasting the idea of a chore versus an investment. I think that's that's really, really wise and really good. One of the things that really helps me is to try to have a long-term perspective about mm -hmm. it. I think a lot about what it's like to gather for family dinner with my in-laws. Mm -hmm. um, all of my husband's siblings are grown and they have their own spouses and children. And my mother-in-law has just cultivated. She really loves family dinners. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so nice. Like it's loud and it's crazy. And there's a million people crammed around the table, but it's so nice to have good conversation and to laugh and to watch college football games together and that sort of thing. And I also think about, you know, really meaningful experiences I've had around the table as an adult, you know, with my yeah. girlfriends for a girl's night, or, you know, I think about some friends that just are so good at hospitality and how much that has meant to me. And I just think about those things and it really helps me kind of cast a vision for yeah. what I'm trying to do with my kids. Yeah. I have picky eaters and they're all, you know, four and under. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't look anything like that right now. But I just, when I start to feel really bored and really grumpy about it, mm -hmm. I sort of just try to take a step back and think about what is it I'm trying to do in the long run. And that really helps me sort of navigate the day-to-day -day boring parts of it. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just seeing food as more than just the components that strengthen our bodies. But I think right. it's a relational currency that enriches our connections with people. And I have heard other people talk about this in the past of just, you know, if you're wanting to connect with your teenager to just take them out to lunch and let them talk, you know, while they're eating. Mm -hmm. And also just how wonderful it is when you get together with people if there's no food around when you're like hanging out it's just lame yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, yes. even if it's just a few refreshments I find that you know I have a gathering of women that I get together with every month or so and everybody just brings a little something and it's not even a, a huge orchestrated meal but having some snacks and some drinks and that just helps everyone to like slip into conversation without feeling awkward, without feeling like, what am I doing here? And it's such a natural way to build connection with people is to share food together. Yeah. It's just like a natural icebreaker yeah. and it sort of gives people something to do with their hands, you know, and, and helps people to relax and ease into the moment, I think for sure. Well, that's so great. This is one reason why I'm really excited about this coming month because we have a freebie that we're going to be sending out to our email newsletter subscribers. And this has been several months in the making. It's actually been probably more than several months in the making because I have been writing on this topic for a couple of years and yeah. which is kind of where the idea for this particular series has come from. And so we have been gathering from different women, um, just kind of a little profile of what kitchen life is like at their home, some of their you know, approaches and challenges to being in the kitchen, whether their kids have food allergies or 
And then we have asked them for a couple, anywhere from one to three of their most loved family recipes. And so we have put those all together in one compiled resource that we're going to be sending to our newsletter subscribers. And I am so excited to try these recipes for myself. Yes. Sometimes it's so overwhelming to go on Pinterest and search and try to find a recipe when you don't really know, is this going to actually be good? And so to know that other families have already tested these, you know, they are, they have been proven to be a good family meal. I'm really excited about that too, because I am always looking for new meals to throw into the rotation. Yes. And you know, not everyone will maybe be a home run for your particular family and their food needs or or desires, but right. I do love that it's kind of like a vetted resource of ones that have worked for other people and their kids. Um, because yes. I know there's lots of recipes out there that I would love to try, but my kids would be like, no, thank you, mom. True story. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's coming in early September. I'm excited. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really awesome. So if you are not subscribed to the Kindred Mom newsletter, the link for that will be in the show notes. And I hope that you'll check it out because that is going to be an awesome resource to have. Lindsay, I would love for you to talk just about what life is like in your kitchen. And I know you have said that you haven't always loved the process of trying to make meals and stuff, but I'm just curious how it has changed for you going from not having children to having your three little ones. What is your biggest victory in the kitchen and what are some of your biggest challenges? Similar to what you were saying earlier, when my husband and I first got married, we ate out a lot. Um, We didn't, you know, have any kids eating up our budget and we both were working and it was really easy to not have to not have to cook. But now our budget is much tighter. We don't eat out really at all. And so by necessity, we're just, I'm in the kitchen a lot. And I think that this is one of the areas of my life where I get to practice what I preach about perfectionism. Mm -hmm. You know me, you know, I love to talk about perfectionism and not being a perfectionist or trying not to be. And in the kitchen is really where I have to practice because if I messed up something, if I overcooked something, or if my husband didn't like a new recipe, like that was enough to send me into a total overwhelmed meltdown. I hated trying new things and I just always felt so much angst and frustration and maybe even like insecurity about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had this sense like, I'm not good at this. This is not for me. But I think that this is an area where practice really does help. And over time, I've just gained a little bit more confidence cooking. But I think that the biggest shift was really more internal, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about before. Learning not to think about it as a miserable chore, but just an opportunity to practice something new, to try something new, and to gather all the people I love most, you know, all together for a few minutes in our day. I have found a few things that really work for me. Um, I made my husband in charge of Sunday lunch. Mm. I just decided that I needed one meal a week. That was not my responsibility to plan or think about. Yeah. And so he's in charge of Sunday lunch. It means that almost every Sunday we get a $5 hot and ready pizza <laughs> from Little Caesars. I did not, I do not care. It just was, that's his decision to make every week. Yeah. And that really helps. I also 
do not go grocery shopping with my children. Uh I save my grocery shopping for a weekend afternoon when I know that my husband will be around. And that is kind of a quiet moment of alone time for me. And that is just, you know, a small tweak I learned I needed to make to help make the task a little less overwhelming. You know, we are not people who need a lot of variety in our foods. We're happy to kind of eat the same things fairly often. So we do Friday night pizza night. Well, in the summer, I've been doing quesadillas instead because it's too hot to turn (laughs) on my oven to bake a pizza. So we do a lot of quesadillas. We do a lot of spaghetti and meatballs. You know, it's not fancy, but it's working for us right now. I have a really picky eater. My four-year-old is miserably picky. I've written an essay Mm -hmm. about that for Kindred Mom in the past. Maybe we can throw that into the show notes or something. So it can be stressful, but... We're in a pretty good rhythm, I think. But that has taken a lot of time and a lot of trial and error, for sure. Yeah, we've had a lot of different seasons since I have a 12-year-old now. I think back to what things were like when she was really little and I was first trying to find my kitchen wings, so to speak. And where we are now is just such a different place. And so I totally see how practice and the time investment, when you really embrace the tasks that need to be done in order to prepare meals for your family, that there is growth that happens. And it is definitely not something that I feel like doing every single day. But most days, even if I don't feel like it, I feel relatively successful in the kitchen. And I think for me, um, the biggest change in feeling successful from the times that I didn't feel as successful have really been because Meals, as with many things in motherhood, just go a lot smoother if you think about it ahead of time. And that can be a very formal meal plan or that can be a very informal just process when you get up in the morning to think, okay, five o'clock will be here before I know it. So can I think right now what I need to do? before five o'clock comes because I don't, I can't tell you how many days that I would go to the kitchen at five o'clock and look in the cupboards. And I just felt like, what do I even make? I don't know what to make. Yeah, that was me for a long time. And what's funny is dinner comes every day. So it shouldn't be this big surprise that everyone needs to eat, but I just didn't think about it in advance for so long that meal planning, once I had three kids, became a very, very important thing. And uh, I was just going to break down a couple of the ways that I have approached this in the past because they have each been useful to me in different seasons. And I'm not doing any of them currently just because of some of our (laughs) family limitations. But I thought if we talked about them, maybe they would help someone else. And Yes, I I want to hear them because <laughs> I do think this is an area where you're a few steps ahead of me and I would love to know how you approach this. Yeah, so my first attempt to really have some bigger picture vision for what I'm doing in the kitchen happened when I had my third baby and I was also trying to run a business at that time and I just needed time to not be in the kitchen. And so what I did, I had uh, one friend in particular, I did it with a couple different friends over um, a span of a couple years, but one friend in particular that I would get together with her once a month and we would plan out like six meals that we were going to make that one day and shop at Costco, get everything that we needed for all six meals. And basically 
make 32 to 36 meals in one day. Um, in order to accomplish that, I usually would just cook up the proteins the night before. So they're just kind of waiting. So it's more assembly than it was actual cooking on our oh, okay. day together. But we would end up with at least four, sometimes six catering size trays um, of each dish for us to split between the two of us. So I might go away with 16 to 20 totally made meals. And that also kind of underwent some changes over the years because at first we were doing condensed chicken soup on pasta. (laughs) Like it was not like that fancy, but at the time, you know, for me to be able to just pull something out of the freezer and put it in the oven for an hour during the hardest hour of the day with my kids, yes. you know, I would usually just make a vegetable side on the stove while the other part was cooking, which just took me 20 minutes maybe. And it was just a lifesaver for that season. I did that when we lived in Los Angeles for a few years. I did that again when we moved to Seattle for a few years with another friend and I would say it really only stopped um, when I got to, I think, our fifth baby, and it just was no longer practical to make enough food <laughs> in one sitting yeah. or for so many of us. Because yeah, you would need almost the whole catering tray yes. all for yourself these days. No, we did. I really like that you did that with a friend because sometimes I see, you know, you can find these freezer cooking meal yeah. plans on on Pinterest or on people's blogs, but that's a lot of work. And to the idea to do it with a friend is really smart because then you get a little fun mixed yeah, in. With, no, it you know, totally made it worth it to me is both that we would each bring our ideas for what recipes we wanted to make. Oh yeah. So I always got new ideas from my friend saying, Hey, I would love to try this. And Oh, I heard about this recipe. So we kind of tried things together. And also, I mean, if you're buying in bulk and splitting the cost, it just gave us more variety than what I could have accomplished on my own. If, you know, a hundred percent of the meals I made that day were going in our freezer. (laughs) Um, This allowed us like the right balance of just really stretching the budget and also some variety in foods. And so that was great. Super smart. And then I kind of moved into um, a different season where meal planning was a lot, lot less about freezer cooking and more about just looking about two weeks ahead. And I have this chart. I should probably make it available. It's more just my personal. It's kind of dorky, but it works. And I would plan um, breakfast, lunch and dinner for every day of the week. And that sounds like intensive, but it wasn't. I just would sit down one Sunday afternoon and write in like the rotation for breakfast, which was usually like cereal, oatmeal, eggs, breakfast, you know. And um, so the earlier meals in the day that weren't dinners were not necessarily anything novel, but just that those decisions were made. Well, right. You don't have to think about it when the time comes. Well before um, the actual, you know, mealtimes arrived. And what was great about that is, um, especially through a couple of my last pregnancies, um, I could put that chart on the fridge and there were days that I just needed to lay down and my husband's like, oh, we're making grilled cheese. I can do that for you. And, you know, it just was like, I knew that we had the stuff and he knows how to do some of those things. So it really helped us to work as a team more than it just feeling like it was all on my shoulders, even in the times that I was more physically limited. So um, I'll see if I can make that available to our listeners as well in our show notes. And it's very basic. They're basically just open squares for each day. 
and each meal. But I think just making decisions ahead of time when you're not overwhelmed by fatigue, um, decision fatigue, and just normal fatigue <laughs> as a mom. Yeah. I think that's been really, really helpful. Yeah. I will also say I started this summer making a meal plan for lunch as well as dinner. And one of the surprising benefits of that is that it really helped with some behavior issues with my strong-willed four-year-old because I didn't have to answer his questions or his complaints about what we were eating. And he could look, if it was up to him, he would eat peanut butter and jelly Mm -hmm. every single day. He's my picky eater as well. But I could look, point to that and say, oh, look, we're having peanut butter and jelly tomorrow, but today is mac and cheese. And It just made our personal interactions around food during the day a lot less stressful, which I wasn't expecting, but it was Mm -hmm. a really nice kind of extra perk. I think meal planning in whatever form you can do it, making some decisions ahead of time is really a very useful way to approach kitchen life. And um, we're going to be hearing from some more guests about just prioritizing family dinners and some different tips from other mamas um, about how they have navigated some of these challenges with their families in future episodes during the month of September. So um, we might retire it for just this moment, but I am so excited about this coming series. I want everyone to know that there will be a number of really amazing um, essays on the blog, as well as those podcast episodes coming up. And we have something really exciting for this fall that is brand new to Kindred Mom. And so I'd love to transition into just talking about our Writers in Residence program. And we have three women who are going to be joining us in a little more invested capacity than we have had from contributors in the past. And one of the reasons for this is that, first of all, I love collaboration. I love working together with people and developing a vision and, you know, kind of talking about what it is that we think is important to talk about on these subjects. And these women that are joining us are just really thoughtful, um, talented writers committed mamas and you know in a way they're just like part of our team but for a defined amount of time so um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about each of these gals we are going to be introducing them on the podcast Um, each of them will make a couple of appearances actually over the next few months and I just I'm excited. I'm really grateful for their investment in our community. And I want you to tell us about them. Yeah, I'm really excited too. These women are amazing writers and they are just, like you said, awesome moms too. I already feel like I have just gleaned so much inspiration and encouragement from them. And I'm really excited. So our first writer in residence is Patty Scott. Patty's a mom of two. Her kids are older than mine. And I think even online, but definitely in my real life, sometimes it's hard to find moms of older kids who are writing about their experiences as moms. And so I'm really excited that we get to hear from Patty. She's very wise and she's a really big encourager. That's definitely come through as we've kind of worked behind Uh the scenes with together. And I think it really comes through in her writing as well. She's writing a book right now too about time management for moms, which I'm super excited about. I need that book and I can't wait for it to come out and to read it. Um, And I 
yeah, I'm just really excited to hear from her because she's in a different season. So I think she'll have a lot of good wisdom to offer. Yes. And we also have Rebecca Crosby, who I know is your good friend and collaborator on the drafting desk. And Rebecca is just, she's a delightful writer. She, um, I feel like everything that I've read from her has been really engaging and always makes me smile or laugh out loud. Um, she's just really uh, honest and talks about real life. One of her essays that she shared on Kindred Mom earlier this year was about, um, her tooth fairy (laughs) story, which were just really, um, entertaining and she just has a lot of heart and soul to bring to our series topics. So I I hope that you enjoy what we have coming from Rebecca. She is just a huge encouragement and we're really grateful to have her on board for these next few months. Yeah. And then our third writer is Corey Wheland. Mm-hmm. Emily, Corey's writing is so beautiful. Is. I when I first went to her blog, I just kept reading and kept scrolling because it's really, really beautiful. It's emotional and it's heartfelt. It'll totally tug at your heartstrings. But she also is honest and you can really, I think, just hear her heart and her vulnerability coming through, which is really nice. She's also a single mom, which I think is such an important perspective to bring Mm -hmm. to Kindred Mom. And I think that other single moms in our community will really resonate with some of her experiences and some of her wisdom, though I think they apply to everyone. Like I have learned and been encouraged from her, her pieces as well. I really, really can't wait for our community to get to read what she has written for us. Yeah. And I just love like her writing style is very story oriented, which is something we really value in all the pieces that we feature, because I think stories really translate much more than telling someone, well, these are the five ways to make your life awesome. (laughs) You know that absolutely. Yes. Instead of something that's just little sound bites and stuff like that. It's, it's just more this, I feel like I know Corey, even though I've talked to Corey like two times in my life now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just love the authenticity of exploring what an experience was really like. And so it's going to be a wonderful season. Um, you know, we kind of introed the topic for September, but the next few months are all topics that kind of I think draw um, moms to just really see the beauty of being invested in our homes and our families. And, you know, we've got in October, we'll be going through a series called Cultivating Home. And that will be everything from the super practical details of like organization and decor and things that I know nothing about. (laughs) (laughs) I am not the decor organization person. Um, But for me, talking about home is so important because I come from a broken home. And as I'm trying to figure out what does it look like to provide stability and make memories and have traditions with my kids. So it'll be from the practical to, of course, what is normal for a kindred mom, just kind of in the heart space of what it looks like. Then in November, we're going to be talking about comparison and contentment. And I think especially, well, they're both really big, but um, I think a lot of moms feel discontent in their season of motherhood, partly because it's so hard becoming a mom, totally. like even if people tell you how hard it is, you just don't understand until you're yes. right in the middle of everything. Um, and I think cultivating contentment is, is just a really important thing. It's the thing that helps us be 
enveloped in peace and find the purpose in what it is that we're even doing every day, these unseen, unglamorous tasks of motherhood, but also Mm -hmm. comparison. Comparison is just, you know, that quote that says, um, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, that's exactly what I was just thinking about. I've thought about that for a couple of years now, and I just think it's the thief of so many other things as well. Like, yes, not only when I mean, when I'm comparing myself to someone and then draw these conclusions that she's so much better than I am, or she's like, I'm losing my self-confidence. I'm losing my, you know, ability to maybe connect with that person because I have put a wedge between who I think her to be and who I think myself to be. And so these are the topics that we're going to be tackling in the next few months, which are, I think, going to be just so full of enriching thoughts from the variety of women that contribute to these series topics. And I am honestly like just jumping for joy inside (laughs) that we get to do this all the time. Like this is such a meaningful thing to be working on. So I agree. The comparison and contentment piece for me, especially, I'm really eager to read the stories and the wisdom of all the moms in our community, because that is for me, that's been the really the biggest struggle, I think, on my motherhood journey so far. And so I yeah, I'm just really, really looking forward to it. I know it's going to be an awesome couple of yeah. months. Well, we're looking forward to it. And we just want to invite any of you who listen to this podcast to please check out some of the pieces that go up on those series topics. Um, subscribe to our newsletter if you want us to stay in touch with you about what's going on. We are going to be sending out the resource in September um, with the recipes and kind of inspiration for just life in the kitchen um, from other moms. And who knows? what other surprises may come. (laughs) I don't even know some of the surprises that will come, Um, (laughs) but we are so invested in helping moms know that they are not alone in their journey, that the challenges that each of us face are common challenges, that we're not the only ones not able to figure out how to stay inspired with meals and how to, you know, like for me, I, I am most honestly looking forward to the Cultivating Home series because I've lived in this house for almost 10 years and I have still not decorated the walls. <laughs> I have thousands and thousands of photos of my kids and um, several of my kids have zero photos on the walls of themselves. And I just, um, oh. things like that, where I just, I want yeah. our space to be reflective of the family that we have. And because I, f- I think I feel just so unsure about what should go where. I'm not a decorator. So mm-hmm. I am looking forward to hearing from women who are great at that and can maybe give us yes. some tips. That's one of the really cool things I think about choosing a different theme to focus on every yeah. month, you know, is that we all have different strengths and weaknesses and things in motherhood that we love and enjoy and the things that just drive us totally crazy. And it's really fun to get to hear from so many different women who are good at so many yeah. different things. Um, well, it's going to be amazing. And Lindsay, I just thank you for being here for this conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.
I'm really excited to have two of my very sweetest friends in the world, Song mm-hmm. Harry and Sarah Allard. They are joining me today for a conversation as we launch into fall and this new series in September on Life Around the Table, but really also kind of a bigger picture view of the coming three months where all three of our topics are kind of just drawing us to having a vision for home and our investment in our families. So ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. We're so happy to be here. Yes. So excited. Thanks for having us. I would love to take just a few seconds for you guys to reacquaint our listeners with your families so they can have some context for what you are bringing to this conversation. Absolutely. Um, I have five children from ages, well, 12 next week to uh, five next week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it'll be a busy birthday household here this next month. And so one going into sixth grade and one going into kindergarten, I homeschool the middle ones. And then Mm -hmm. my bookends go to a local Christian school. And so we've kind of explored a few different ways to do education and, It's been great. My husband owns and runs a plumbing company here in Eastern Washington. And yeah, we've, we've been in ministry in the past as well. And then a number of, a few years ago, we just felt like the Lord was calling us to the marketplace. And so we are, he's running a business and I'm a stay at home mom and we are just busy, 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 but just trying to raise our family to love and serve Jesus. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I am married to my high school sweetheart for 14 years. Mm -hmm. We have two children, um, one sassy little, almost one and a half year old. And we're in the three major stage with my son. So two kids (laughs) um, and we went through infertility. So are very, very thankful that for the two that we have and um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, trying to still, I think, find my stride each day. And mm-hmm. home's a huge passion of mine. And yeah, that's a little bit about us. We live in Seattle, Washington. Well, thank you so much for both of you taking the time to be here because you are both very dear friends of mine. I have a long history with both of you in different seasons of life. And I thought it would be amazing to have a conversation just about what our vision for home is in our own homes, knowing that some of those things overlap and are the same. And some of those things are a little different, partly because of where we live and the makeup of Mm -hmm. our families. But I would love to just start by talking about the early years of marriage, the early years of parenting, Mm -hmm. and the things that have most shaped the vision that you have for your home and your values together with your husband as you raise your kids. Mm -hmm. Such a important topic and one that's just so near and dear to my heart. You know, it's funny. I look back on those years with this kind of awe, like, how Mm -hmm. did I do that? (laughs) Just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but there's something so, I mean, I, I feel like the challenges are different in the season of life that I am in now. And now it's much more emotionally, psychologically challenging. But back then it was just so physically and emotionally. Yes. I know. And I mean, I'm just so thankful I took lots of picture and video because I look back on those years and I'm, it's, it's like fuzzy a little bit yep. <laughs> in, my, in my memory, but 
so very precious. And to see the foundation and the groundwork that was laid in those years of my children and just how they're blossoming and their personalities are just like blooming. And it's just exquisite to see and to see them helping one another and helping around the house. It's like, I mean, at one, there was a time in life when I couldn't fathom, you know, not having to help them to the potty every couple hours. Like that was like, this is my life for the rest of my life. And I will always (laughs) have to take 15 minutes to buckle everybody in the car seat and then unbuckle them because somebody has to poop right in the middle of it. And Oh, somebody missed the shoe. And you know, I mean, it's just, (laughs) I couldn't fathom getting out of that stage, but it happened and it happened quick. And even so, yes, the years, what is it that they say? The days are exceedingly long, but the years, fly by. And that's just so true. And I'm only in the middle of it. I'm not at, I'm not at the part where they're like flying the coop yet. So such a precious, precious time. Yeah. Sarah, what's your vision for your home now that you're in the stage of having multiple kids to figure out how to serve each of their needs and also keep a sense of who you and your husband have been as a couple for the previous decade before they arrived? Yeah. You know, I think that has been a challenge and something that we've worked through. And um, some that know me know that I have a huge heart for hospitality. And so Mm -hmm. that's definitely been different. I think since we got married, when we were in college from the beginning, we were just, you know, how one of those homes where everybody was over and Mm -hmm. as then we graduated and got careers and, you know, a lot of evenings and weekends were spent with people around our table in our home. We've had a lot of people live with us over the years. So that's been really different than now focusing on these two little people and their needs and then figuring out how we fit in that. And mm-hmm. I think we're slowly but surely hitting our stride of mm-hmm. uh, communicating that, how we can work as a team has been really big just for my husband and I to come together and mm-hmm. just communication of what we both need and how we can both prioritize time as a family at home mm-hmm. and also have time outside of the home with some of the passions we both have. And mm-hmm. then also how to just have it be part of the fiber of our family where we do still have a very open home yeah. uh, where we have people around our table on a regular basis. And a huge part of what we do is always cooking family dinners, healthy meals is a big part of what mm-hmm. we do. So just making it so it's not a big deal to just invite one more person. Um, Mm. In particular, we have a huge heart for not just being in the married with kids bubble, but really inviting single friends around our table. That's been an especially life-giving part of this season is remembering those that would just be excited to enjoy a meal and have some energy to help us wrangle our children. (laughs) Well, it's a very smart choice, Sarah. I think it's amazing that both the heart you have for hospitality, how it really has no bounds or no like bubble, like you talked about, and also just how much you have gained from the community that you have drawn around you and how much they invest in your kids. And I know with my family that the people, I mean, for a lot of years, it was Sarah that spent time with mm-hmm. my kids. Um, that that's just a really meaningful part of friendship. I think when you really enter into the space of family life, wherever you're coming from, when you share that, uh, it's just it's a beautiful thing. And I would say that for me, my vision for home has definitely changed over the years. I think at the beginning, I just first of all, I ended up 
expecting a baby before I was quite expecting to expect a baby. (laughs) And I was 23 at the Mm -hmm. time. And so it was kind of a whole shift of my mindset, knowing that I was going to be home with my daughter. And we didn't plan to have so many kids at that time. And so just as Mm -hmm. the years have gone on, it's been a lot of transitions. And I think it's taken a lot of years for me to really fully embrace what it is to be completely invested in my home and Mm -hmm. in their lives, which we have, of course, chosen to homeschool our kids, which I think is a very natural choice when you have a lot of kids in the mix. I didn't want to be going to all different schools all the time. And, you know, that choice for us is an intentional way that we have been just trying to build these solid relationships with each other. But I think for me, home is about finding a sanctuary or building a sanctuary, Mm -hmm. a place that is kind of a respite from the crazy outside world. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's in purely practical terms. I'm not a home decorator, so I'm not making this like gorgeous you know, Homes and Gardens magazine home. So that's not the kind of sanctuary I mean, Mm -hmm. but just like this deep sense of peace that everyone belongs here, that, you know, we love and regard each other with respect here, which we are constantly working on with my eight and 10 year old boys (laughs) right now. Um, But to me, I don't remember a time in my life where my childhood home felt the kind of peace that I feel in my current home with my family. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I just hold really close to my heart. And, you know, whatever I have to do to adapt in each new season to cultivate peace among us is something that I'm willing to explore. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's top of the list for me. That's so beautiful. As I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking just back to kind of how I got where I am and as a child, you know, whose homes did I feel that sense of peace and what were those elements? And I came back to my friend, Susan and her mom, and there's just always so, so clean and just welcoming. And I remember her saying that she would reset the house every night, just, you know, kind of cleaning up in dishes. And it just felt like every time you went over there, it wasn't like they were frazzled or preparing kind of that sanctuary, just that they were always ready um, Mm. to welcome whoever came in that door. And I've really taken that to heart to just reset. So it's not a big deal just to anybody that comes in, this is just what we're doing. It doesn't need to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. that it feels intentional and welcome and that nobody's ever, you know, hiding papers or scurrying around, Um, that they're Mm -hmm. just present. And that's the home you're describing that I feel so much at your home, Emily, is just you're really present. That's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having a home where you're just able to be real and be able to be yourself, you know, also promotes that sense of peace. I mean, I have a dear friend who just would be like, come on in, let me get you some coffee. And she would just sit down with me and we would, and she would start to fold laundry while she was talking to me. You know, it wasn't like she had to go be, get everything in order before I could come in. Like I was enveloped into her space and into her day as if I belonged there. And so I think just that piece that you are cultivating in your home and M and what we're, this is the same mm-hmm. piece that we're going for in our own homes and in mm-hmm. our different styles of, of mothering. And I think, I think I completely just agree with that. That is the culture that this is a, this is a place of peace. This is a refuge. This is a sanctuary. All those words just resonate with me that this is a place to retreat to and to be able to let your hair down, to be able to cry, to be able to laugh, to be able to be yourself and to be seen. I think that all of those are 
are, it's completely at the core of the vision I have for my household as well. Yeah. Well, and I think the wonderful thing about longing for peace and seeking to cultivate peace in our families is that there's not one right way to accomplish that. And Mm -hmm. so if we're talking about feeling like we should be doing it this way because so-and-so is doing it this way or, you know, all the different choices that we make about our home lives and our values Mm -hmm. as a family, that there isn't a singular, perfectly right answer that everybody should fit in this mold in this box. And I feel like that should bring us a lot of freedom to discover who we want to be as mamas and what we want to be about Mm -hmm. and how we want to conduct ourselves in our families. Some people really need to be working and need to be engaged in something that is just really, you know, life-giving for them. And other people really need to be quiet and home and homebodies. And, you know, they want to make their homes beautiful or they want to, you know, homeschool their kids or they, you know, and none of those things are wrong. We all just have our own way to live out the values that we discern or decide on Mm -hmm. um, with our spouses. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is because our homes are very different from one another, even though we share a love for our kids and want to be invested, committed mamas, I want to know from you what you think are the things that most contribute to the stability in your home and what things maybe kind of rob you guys of that stability if you have been in a season where it hasn't been. I mean, sometimes there are things that we have no control over, like, you know, a Mm -hmm. big move or a job change or those kind of things. But I'm thinking more of like the things that we do have some say in. What are the things that are contributing to the stability of your house? Well, I think of the world sometimes like a storm and our homes like the eye of the storm Mm -hmm. because, um, I've definitely been in seasons where I feel like there's just a lot going on. And when I can come home and just let down my hair and feel a sense of peace, that's when I think of that sanctuary. And uh, Mm -hmm. as you're asking, how's that different before and after kids? That's just such a appropriate one for this topic because, you know, Angelo and I have talked a lot about, we just had so many years where our home was how we had it. And when we got up in the morning, it was how we left it. (laughs) And it was like that all day unless we made messes. And now all of a sudden we have these little people and doing everything and it's wonderful (laughs) and it's also challenging. And I think what we've really done well is just work together to say, okay, well, you know, it's going to look different, but how can we have a place for the children in our home and toys and things, but in an aesthetic that works for us. So Mm. creating a lot of hidden storage, rotating toys, Mm teaching the kids from an early age to pick up after they've taken one thing out. I mean, ideally, you know, sometimes it's like a bomb went off. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) starting to teach that when you want to get something else out, you need to put something away so that, you know, there is that sense of peace. And one simple thing I have done, because I realized that for Angelo, if the house is somewhat tidy, when he comes home, he feels like he can relax. And so a huge motivator for my son is television. So And after his afternoon nap, I'll let him watch a show if he's cleaned up. And that's about the time that my husband will be coming home to work Mm -hmm. from work. And it's just a win-win where he gets his show, but he has to do that beforehand. And then my husband can come home and just kind of breathe a sigh of relief that he's home, take a few minutes himself. And that Mm -hmm. just simple change has made a big difference in how he feels welcome at the end of the day and how I can then head into preparing dinner and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think just you know, each mom is going to have their own level of chaos. But for us, the visual clutter has been something we've had to really work on. And I've also been working on 
just letting go of stuff. Um, I think partly because we have a small space and the kids are taking over. So <laughs> we need more of their stuff, less of ours. Yeah. So one mantra I've really tried to do this summer is just say, do one thing. If it means that I put one thing in the Goodwill bin, or I put one thing on my buy nothing group on Facebook to share, or I purge, you know, one, go through one drawer in my house, it feels a lot less overwhelming. I love organizing, you know, yeah. I'm super nerdy about it. And it is so overwhelming. I mean, I feel a lot more compassion for my friends that have been in the trenches in motherhood. And I didn't get it until now. Yeah. And so um, I think that just did the one thing a day, I literally tell myself that. Yeah. And then I make myself stop because I'm the type that will want to keep going. And so just mm-hmm. encourage any mama, if you're feeling overwhelmed, just one thing, that's enough. That's good. I like that. Just kind of, I think I do some things similarly, Sarah, but I've done things just different over periods of time in our home. Sit back for a second and wherever, whatever stage you're in and say, what is the priority in this house? And, you know, and if you're talking about, I I would say peace is a huge one. And then the other one is uh, just relationship. You know, mm-hmm. what, what enhances relationships and what takes away from relationships. And I think if you can have those kind of overarching, like, this is the mission, this is the goal, then you can be flexible with the schedule and the routine just to tweak what works for your family. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think children in general tend to really thrive with clear expectations mm-hmm. of what's going on. And a lot of times that means routine. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is a scheduling mom and not everybody is an organizing mom or a, or a neat freak mom like me. <laughs> or, you know, there's a lot of different moms out there. And I think if you can just decide with your spouse what things are really important to us and why are they important to us, mm-hmm. then you can kind of start to make changes that work toward those goals. I wanted to make a point too, that when you talk about routines that for me, I'm a little bit more free spirit style over here, not as organizing, not as um, much about. Oh, I don't know. You're much more organized in some ways. Uh, Not my house, but things. Um, No, I just, for me, it helped me feel a lot less pressure when I switched my thinking from thinking I had to have a schedule. So a schedule to Mm -hmm. me is something that has a time associated with with it. And at two o'clock, mm-hmm. this has to happen and at five o'clock, this has to happen. And a routine to me is just an order of things. So it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have a time attached. It might have kind of a, a range of times attached to it where instead of having the nap have to happen at a specific certain time that there's actually just an order, like before nap, we, you know, Mm -hmm. put the toys away and then, then we settle down and read a book and then it's nap time. And the things happen Mm -hmm. in the same order every day at relatively the same times. But I just feel like it can be really easy to get stressed out about, oh, we missed that time on the schedule or we, because there's so many unpredictable things that happen when you have little ones, especially. And it has been especially good for us during bedtime because I do try to put my kids to bed a little bit early, but it's definitely not at the same exact time every night. It's more like, okay, we start the process. We do the teeth. My husband has this funny thing where he just announces JTB every night whenever he randomly decides to do it. It might be 7, it might be 7.15, it might be 7.30. But when he says JTB, that means jammies, teeth, and bed. And everybody has to like 
get into motion for doing that, those steps. And I just think that that has freed me a lot from the pressure to make a schedule, <laughs> meet the schedule. And- I can identify. I really picked up on that for, with, I think really watching you and I found a lot of freedom. I kind of call it a rhythm to the day. Yep. And I've done that mostly with my kids, but I will say just recently I've had so many sleep issues with my daughter that I realized that that was not working and had to be strict. And it's so hard because, you know, you can judge what other parents do and it can be different. And I think it was just a reminder to me that, you know, what you do, what works for your family until it doesn't work. Yep. And then you try something yeah. new. And this is an example where mm-hmm. I had to really be very disciplined for a couple of weeks about hitting this exact nap time. And it made a huge difference. And now I can take the foot off the gas and ease back into more of the rhythm style. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that mm-hmm. you know, there may be seasons and it doesn't have to be a one size fit all, but the rhythm method is just, there's a lot of freedom in that. I did love that. I think motherhood is about being a really good problem solver because with one child, it may be one way and then your next child will be a hundred percent different. And so if you're really looking to gain confidence as a mom and feel more certain in the choices that you're making, it can't be about this is the right way or this is the method we Mm -hmm. use. It has to be, I am eyes open, ears open, paying attention to my child and their needs and the needs of my whole family. Like we are juggling a lot of things together to accomplish a peaceful home that is welcoming for everyone who lives here. Mm -hmm. And that that has to adapt and change by the day sometimes, Mm -hmm. which might feel a little bit overwhelming. But I just think sometimes we hold so tightly to a method or this is how my mom did it or, you know, (laughs) some of the things that Mm -hmm. they might help in some seasons, but other seasons they might not. And I just really love seeing especially younger moms find their wings when they realize all I have to do is figure out how to solve this problem, one problem at a time. And you can do that by reading. You can do that by praying and asking God for wisdom. You can do that by talking to a friend who you trust. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so good to have friends who are in a similar season or have gone before you to be able to just ask for ideas. Because even if I'm asking for input on something that I'm going through with one of my kids, the person I'm talking to isn't going to have quote unquote, the answer, they are going to have some ideas for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm still going to have to try to apply what I think might work and go ahead and drop what isn't going to work for my family uh, without any sense Mm -hmm. of guilt, you know, because like we were talking about earlier, there's not a single right way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, those are some things that have helped. That's so wise. I was just going to say too, that, you know, I think it's wise just to ask for trusted outside resources because I describe motherhood like living in a fishbowl. Sometimes it's hard, like you're just in the fishbowl and Mm -hmm. you can't look inside to see clearly what's going on. And so I think asking a trusted friend, or I sometimes underestimate how much my husband picks up on things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, why don't I ask him more? Like with the sleep issue, he's like, I just think that you need to be strict about nap time. And I was like, no, I don't (laughs) want to do that. (laughs) And you know, it was a combination of things that got her to sleep a lot better, but that was a huge piece Mm -hmm. and he could Mm -hmm. see that. And so I was so thankful to invite him in. And I think a lot of times as wives, because often, not always, but we are with our children more hours of the day and we can assume that we know best. And while we may get a lot of insight from those extra hours, Mm -hmm. so often our husbands really do see so much and sometimes clearer because they're looking in on a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I just so appreciate that reminder. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's wonderful that um, it builds 
uh, relationship also because men actually really, they, they need to know that they're needed mm-hmm. and they need to know that they're appreciated. Mm-hmm. And when we actually reach out and give them honor in, in that regard, um, and just say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. It's not just helping you solve the problem, but it's also building just mutuality and trust and partnership between you. And I just wanted to answer the question that we asked a little bit ago about what contributes to stability in our homes. And mm-hmm. I just feel like for myself, I have learned that I am probably the biggest contributor of stability in my house based on how I am doing, which is one mm-hmm. reason why um, I have taken it upon myself to be a lot more invested Mm -hmm. in my well-being and what that looks like. And, you know, we've talked about self-care on several different podcast episodes now. And what that has started to mean for me is just seeing that it's not about escape from my real life. It's not about getting a massage, although I'm all for massages, I will say, but you can't do that every Mm -hmm. single day. Um, And there are things we can Mm -hmm. do every single day to be well-rested and to be nourished and to be grounded in the word of God. If we are followers of Jesus to be um, just ready for the day in front of us and just provide leadership in our home. Um, I used to think that someone else should do that job (laughs) because I didn't want to do that job because it was, it is so hard to like figure out what that looks like. um, Because I think many of us would like a checklist. We would like someone to say, you are doing this perfectly and you get an A plus and here's a gold star for you. And that's not really how we are acknowledged, you know, but I think as I've made peace with the fact that the reward from these years is going to come down the road, I'm not necessarily going to see the reward today or tomorrow or next week. I think that you are just right on in saying that uh, we are the stabilizers of the home. You know, um, a good mother makes a happy home and it's when, so self-care is super important. And um, I love that you brought that up. I just want to encourage any moms that are either new moms or have really littles underfoot. Mm -hmm. You know, everything we're talking about is being really intentional And that is something I've learned that with motherhood, you know, it's just going to come at you. So you do have to, in some, to some degree, be intentional about what kind of home culture you want to create and systems, but there's so much grace for the learning process. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think my son was so different than my daughter and it's been a humbling process, just her personality, her sleep, lots of things have been just have juggling two kids. I know lots of ladies are juggling more and, you know, for me just to step back and realize the first year, really, I can be as intentional as I can be with giving a lot of grace and just knowing that as soon as I get in a groove, it's going to yeah. change <laughs> and to not get frustrated. And Emily, you know, mm-hmm. you're one, I'm, I've kind of been like, oh my gosh, this is going to keep going. You're like, yep. And I even think, I mean, first year, maybe even year and a half, you know, and obviously that continues because kids are always changing, but I just want to really encourage those mamas with little, little mm-hmm. ones to just go easy on yourself and maybe take one or two things, or, you know, don't have the mile to do list, pick three things, you know, Kat Lee, I, we just adore. She always says that pick three things and feel successful at that. So mm-hmm. just want to encourage the mamas out there to not let this podcast at all discourage, but to encourage and inspire and just to take a little bit away. Cause I think even one change, like the one I mentioned about 
cleaning up before daddy got home. That made a huge difference in the tone of our home and how my husband felt welcomed. And that was just one small thing. So, um, and then once that becomes a habit, you can take on another small Absolutely. Well, thank you ladies for offering your thoughts in this conversation. And I am so glad to have you back for this quick episode and just thank you for everything that you have shared as well as the way that you live out these values that you have been talking about. So thanks. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us.